Jump in, jump in, jump in. Wow. How are you? Good. Hey, if you, um, if you have not received one of the brochures for Finish Strong, if you'd raise your hands, our ushers are going to and are willing to give you one of these tonight. So just raise your hand high. They'll jump on that right away if you haven't received that. And you can go ahead and pull your uh, sermon notes out and be prepared to do that. My name's Cal, and I'm part of the team here, and it's an honor to be here this Thanksgiving weekend. How many of you ate too much this weekend? Come on, raise both hands. Some of you are lying. You ate so much you can't even raise your hand. You are out there. Hey, it's good to have you. Some of you have traveled. It's good to see you back. And it's obvious that we still have many traveling, and we want to pray for them to get back safe as well. We've been talking about finishing strong. Why? There's a couple reasons, but we want to we wanna approach the new year. Isn't it hard to believe that this year is almost over? I mean, Thanksgiving's gone. Christmas is just about a month away, and then we're approaching a brand new year, and we don't want to limp into a new year. Amen? We want to finish this thing strong. It's a new season, and we want you to be on the same movement, not falling off of things, going on to it. Why? Because, listen, if you haven't been you know, sleeping the last few months or this year, the church is in a pretty powerful place right now. I mean, the world has never needed us in a way that the world needs us now. Would you agree with that? And so we need to go into this strong. So the last two weeks, as we've talked about this series, Finish Strong, we've talked about things that will bring change into your life if you will continue and go forward. So tonight I want to finish that. We talked about, Pastor Paul talked about those things that will weigh you down, and we know that runners do not need to be weighed down. They need to strip off and get things off of them that weighs them down. Scriptures talk about that. Last week, Dwayne talked about having uh, obstacles in your life, hurdles that you need to overcome. And, you know, we all know that we have to undo some things that we may have done even to our own selves. And we have to have the strength of God to overcome the hurdles that come that we don't do to ourselves. Because once you start the walk of life, life just hits you occasionally unaware. Amen? just hits you. And so tonight we want to continue that, but we also know that we need to make a commitment to endure in certain areas. And that's what this campaign is about, making a commitment, not just financially, but to endure in certain areas. But let me say something to you. Making a commitment and keeping a commitment are two very different things. Making a commitment and keeping a commitment are very are two very different things. And that's what I want to focus on tonight. Because, guys, it is easy. In our society today, we've seen it. Everybody makes a commitment. It's easy to make a commitment. But how many of us keep the commitment? Whatever the commitment might be. So there's an interesting story in the Gospel of John. And that is on your note sheet as well. But if you want to pull out your device or a Bible, whichever, in John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples came across a blind man. And after some discussion as to why this man was blind, and I would encourage you to read this incident on your own because there was some pretty interesting discussion of why this man was blind or why he was in the shape that he was in. Jesus did something pretty unusual that if he were to do that today, people would kind of maybe want to lock this guy up. And maybe you, you recall the story. Jesus looked at some dirt on the ground, spat on the ground, 
Now, how, much, how many of you know, I just got to stop right here because I want you to get the full impact of this story. How many of you know that if you just spit on the ground in the dust, to make mud requires a pretty good bit of water? Are you with me? So this isn't just this little, pshh. Jesus kind of had to get some stuff in here, okay? <laughs> Are you with me? I, I want to put some humanity on this story so you don't just think Jesus spat and all of a sudden there was a mud puddle there. I mean, he had to pull some stuff up here. And I don't mean to get really gross on you, but there's some things going on when you're, you're, some of your mouths are watering right now as I'm talking right here. But he had to make mud. And so in chapter, in chapter 9, verse 6, it says, after saying this, he spit on the ground and he made some mud with the saliva. And he put it on the man's eyes. Now, if you were to go around doing that today... There would be some people following you in white coats. There would be literally people looking at you saying, hey, let's put your coat on backwards and take a walk. That's what happened. And then verse 7 is the key verse. I want you to underline two important phrases here. The first one is a word. Underline, maybe even circle the word go. Jesus said, go. Wash in the pool of Siloam. So here... The man went. So would you underline the man went? It's important that you do this. And he washed, and then he came home seeing. The man went, came home seeing. I want you to notice, Jesus didn't take him by the hand. Are you hearing me? He didn't say to the disciples, lead him to the pool. No, the man went. You see, there are certain things Jesus does for you and I. And then there are certain things he leaves to us. There are certain things Jesus... Now listen, I'm not saying Jesus isn't able. He is able. And I want to illustrate that I because I, I want to talk about one primary word tonight before we get to this, which kind of demolishes this word. You'll understand where I'm going at the end. Some of you may know me well enough to know I love baseball. Actually, almost went to college playing baseball. And I love to watch baseball, and I know that's not an exciting sport to watch, but my dad taught me the strategy behind it and the game plan behind it. And I looked behind the scenes, and I was a catcher, so I'm, I'm, I got that view to the whole field. But, man, nothing was more exciting than the World Series this year, okay? I'm just telling you, the Cubs, and I'm not even a Cubs fan, but to see that, and if you're a Cleveland fan, I'm sorry. But the Cubs just went out there and did it. I mean, after a century, they came back to win three in a row. Not many people have done that. And they had to face the big pitching of the Cleveland Indians. They had the bullpen like no other team in the, in the, in the, in the major leagues. The game itself went seven extra innings in the game seven, last game of the series that it could go, went into extra innings. They were stoked. But however, they were tired. They were outmatched. They didn't know what pitcher they were going to throw out there if they had to go out to another inning. But they had something more powerful than pitching. They had something more powerful than big sticks. They had something more powerful than averages. And you'll know if you're a sports fan, and even not what I'm talking about when I say this. Here's what they had. They had momentum. They had the big mo, friends. Momentum is an essential ingredient in getting where you need to go. It's essential. A team or an individual with the big mo, I'm telling you, it's hard to stop that person. Hard to stop that team. Uh, remember Newton's law of physics, and I'm not a big physics guy. I'm a psych major in, in college. Physics, I couldn't stand none of that stuff. But I do know this law. It says an object in motion stays in motion. 
or an object at rest stays at rest. I want to give you an example of something that's in motion will come to a stop if you give it an outside obstacle. Okay, watch this. I just did that because it's Thanksgiving and it's football and all that good stuff. I like hearing you guys saying, ooh, and ah. But some of those guys, they lost their momentum. (laughs) They lost a few other things too, didn't they? Listen, I don't care whether it's football. I don't care whether it's faith, relationships, vocation, your job, your health. Momentum is essential. And here's the deal with momentum. Once something comes and stops that momentum, and sometimes it's us, it is very difficult. As a runner today, my message is called the runner's mindset. I'm a runner. Uh, Pastor Paul's a runner. Some of you might be runners. And I know when you're out there doing five, six miles, you're doing a 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon. Here's the deal. Now, some of us hit the wall, but if you stop anywhere in there, I'm telling you, the ability to take your mind and switch it back to start going again is nearly impossible. It's a big deal. I want you to remember what Jesus said in the scripture. Go wash. You want to be healed? Go. I'm not going to lead you to this. Go. The man had to get to the pool. Are you with me, church? He wasn't going to let anything stop him, even though it was weird, mud in his eyes. That didn't make a lot of sense. What we're doing doesn't make a lot of sense. We're building a worship center, opening a campus, practically at the same time, requiring quite a bit of money. Doesn't make a lot of sense. But when Jesus says, go, you go. And you can't let things stop you. And that's what we're trying to get across in this entire series and what God is leading us to do. Whatever it took, this man had to get there. See, we think sometimes when Jesus comes into our life, he is the answer. But sometimes we think, oh, if we just pray hard enough, oh, if I just believe hard enough, oh, that habit's going to go away. If you're like me, you know that the habit doesn't just go away because you believe hard enough. Especially if the habit's been with you for a long time. Now, once I, again, let me say, Jesus holds all power. He is able to do more than we can think or imagine. But it doesn't usually work just because you believe it goes away. Doesn't usually work just because Jesus is in your life, things disappear that are going to destroy your life. Doesn't usually work that way. But most of the time, this thing called momentum will come into your life in such a way that you have to keep it trucking in the same way. The result of that is positive momentum. My marriage, my finances, my spiritual walk, my ministry. Listen, they all need me to go. One of the most dangerous things that can happen in any of our lives is for us to just stop in any area of our life. And folks, we've all done it in one way or the other. In one place or the other. We've all done it. We just stopped. Needs me to go. This is why the call of Jesus, when Jesus calls us, it's not just a call to believe in me. No, the call of Jesus is to, hey, follow me. This is why we're called followers of Christ. It's not just, don't just believe in me. No, follow me. Follow me. And when we surrender and begin to follow Jesus, listen, that creates momentum. When you surrender your life and begin to follow Jesus, that creates momentum. Salvation, deciding to follow Christ, it's an active pursuit. 
It's progressive. It's not just a date on the calendar when someone says, hey, when did you give your life to Jesus? Well, September 13th, 1978. That's the date that I surrendered. But from that point, it's an active pursuit, church. Philippians chapter 2, look in your notes, verse 12 says this. Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to, underline, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Listen, let me say something. That those words, work out, means you have to be disciplined. There's some sweat equity involved here. And salvation, the word salvation doesn't mean just eternal life. Now, I've got salvation. I believe in Jesus. I've accepted Jesus. I have eternal life. Yes, it does mean that you have eternal life and that you've been set free from death and the grave can't stop you. But that's not all it means. It doesn't stop there. It means wholeness and wellness. It's about the quality of life that Jesus wants you to live right here on earth. That's why he told us in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I have come, have you ever heard this before? That you may have life and that you would have it to the fullest. I love the word in the old King James version, that you would have it more abundantly. I love that. Jesus wants you to have life and he wants you to have life to the fullest. And that's momentum. He doesn't want that to stop in any way. He doesn't want something from the outside to come in and stop that. He wants to allow you to know that this is a partnership with God to get to that place that God calls you to be to have and to keep momentum going forward so today i want to deal with something now that we understand momentum is that which is keeping us to go forward i want to deal with the part of this series and keeping the mindset of a runner and finishing strong what takes momentum away Now, if you're a sports fan like me, and even today, I watched a couple games on TV, and I saw momentum leave a team. (laughs) I watched it happen. What takes that away in us as individuals when we've been challenged by God to go forward and not stand still? I want to deal with the moment, what I call today a momentum buster. Now, some of us in this auditorium, we've got great momentum in certain areas of our life. You've got momentum in your vocation. You got momentum in education. You got momentum in other areas. But then there's that other area you're not doing so great in, maybe in relationships, maybe in your finances. Or maybe you can flip it. You're doing great in your, in, your, in your finances, but not so much in your vocation. You're unsure where you're going with this. And so I want to talk about that buster today. We've let some areas, I have occasionally, we've let some areas come to rest. And remember, that which is in motion stays in motion. Until something causes it to rest. That which is at rest stays at rest until something causes it to move again. That's just a law of physics. God desires wholeness in every area of your life. God desires freedom in every area of your life. And churches, we partner with God. We allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in us. And he begins to create momentum in these areas of life. And if we will allow him to work and we will pursue and and go and become active in this, 
we shall have what God's called us to be. So what is this huge momentum buster that I want to focus on? Are you ready? Rationalization. In the book of Psalms, chapter 20, verses 1, uh, chapter 20 through chapter 134, about 14 chapters, I'll give you just a little bit of a teaching lesson here. It's called, those are entitled the Psalms of the Ascent. The Psalms of the Ascent. Now, life is meant to be a journey. Now, I, I, I wore my tennis shoes, but when I saw Freddie leading worship, I thought, hmm, there's a guy I need to put on a treadmill right there. What the Psalms are telling us here is that life is a journey. Have you discovered that? Life is a journey. And even as they were in this particular period of time and they were writing this, life was meant to be a journey. And it's a journey of ascent. I want you to picture this treadmill as life. Pretty easy right now. We just like walk in on Black Friday. Some of you did that, you know. And you're going places and you're doing everything. And and it's pretty easy. No problem until you start doing something with the incline. Okay, so you go over here and you start popping up the incline. Now, notice that Freddie's not doing the incline. I am (laughs) because you wouldn't naturally do the incline in such a way that would make life hard, would you? You wouldn't want to do that. But occasionally an outside force. And I'm going to actually say tonight, occasionally God himself will put the incline on you. Are you with me? And it's not quite so easy anymore, is it there, Freddie? I mean, it's, I've noticed you slowed down. And then occasionally you come over here and you cut the speed up just a hair. Just a hair. So we won't recreate the video or anything, but it's, you, you turn this thing to 10 and turn it up a little bit. How long can you keep this up? You want to find out? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We'll let him stop. Thank you. Give Freddie a hand. He's helped us out. <laughs> What am I trying to say? The treadmill with no incline, no problem. All of us could probably do that. You start getting it up there to about eight or nine, whoa, we got a big problem. But here's the thing. The big problem helps you. It increases your heart rate. It it, it makes you become a better person. Now, some of us, we don't want any part with that because we don't want that challenge. We would much rather just the treadmill of life stay right there. Just comfortable enough that we can do it. See, likewise, listen, folks, God will turn the incline up in your life. He will increase that in your life so that you can have success and you can finish strong in that particular area of your life. That's the Psalms of the ascent. That's what they were. They were sung out loud as people made a journey to Jerusalem. That's where the presence of God resided in Jerusalem. Today, isn't it awesome that each of us have the opportunity to own the presence of God inside of us as individuals? But that's not what it was in the Psalms. They were to journey to the presence of God. It was a trip up a mountain. Jerusalem sat at the top of a mountain. And in Psalm 122, I put it in your notes, verses 1 through 3, it says, And they sang this, I rejoiced with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. I want to ask you a question as we make sense of those scriptures. Here's your question. What is your destination on this journey? What is your destination? Do you even have a destination? Or is it just living life? Do you even want to finish strong? Or are you just comfortable where you are? Is it to make a lot of money and just own a lot of things for you? 
so that you can be comfortable? Is that your destination? That's what America has indoctrinated us with for a long time, isn't it? We can just retire and make a lot of things happen for us. Is that your destination? What is your destination? Friends, you've heard it for the last few weeks. Our destination as a church is to bring more capacity to reach more people for Jesus. And the way we are able to do that is a new worship center. The way we're able to do that is to begin a new campus in Hayward. And there's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people where there's no church in Hayward around this campus site that we're going to. That's our destination. And when you're looking at this Psalms, I want you to remind you of something. This is not church that they're talking about here. This destination when it says, I rejoiced. When they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. This isn't church they're we talking about. There was no church. Church hadn't even been established yet in this particular era. I want you to write this down in your notes. The destination that they're talking about is living under the order of God. Living under the order of God. Because see, when you're living underneath the order of God, And you're journeying with God, not outside of God's principles. You have wholeness in your life. You have wholeness. In verse 3, look back at your your notes in that scripture. It uses a figure of speech describing architecture. It says, Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. A speech of architecture. What does that mean for you and I? Let me ask you this. What, What God meant by this. In other words, wherever God rules, where the order of God is... Listen, everything is tight. It's just compacted together. You know, I look at Kurt, and he's on this building team, as he mentioned to us. What would happen over there if they put the drywall up four inches apart? What would happen over there if the foundation and the various things that go into the the footings didn't match together? It's got to be pretty tight for that building to stand, for us to trust it. So let me ask you, are there any areas of your life, as you look at this and you think about what we're talking about, are there any areas of your life in your mindset that need to be tightened up just a little bit? Is there any area of your life? I want you to think about that. And if you know of an area, don't dilly-dally with it. Can I say that word? That's a southern word. (laughs) Don't, Don't mess with it. Write it down right now. This is an area. Write it on your notes. I got to tighten this area up. It could be your marriage. It could be your finances. You may be sitting here tonight thinking, I'd love to give. I can't give. I don't have the finances. It's not there. I need to tighten that up. What is it in your area, in your life that needs to be tightened? This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 25, in your notes, he said, everyone who competes in the games goes into, underline, strict training. See, we don't like those words, especially after Thanksgiving meals, man. Look at a, look at a treadmill on the platform on Thanksgiving weekend. Strict training. He says they do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that's going to last forever. Therefore, he says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I've got a destination. I don't just run to be running. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, he says, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So the word strict training that you underline actually means a plan of discipline. 
You see, in order for you to get to a place where the destiny is, uh, and I've said this before, some of us think, well, I'm I'm saved, I've got Jesus, I've given him my life, I'm going to heaven. Heaven is your destination. It's not a destiny. Does that make sense? What is your destiny? What is your destination right here on earth that Jesus promised to give you life to the fullest that you might fulfill right here? The prize that Paul is talking about is to live under and in the order of God. And here's where the momentum buster comes for real into our life. And here's where it really comes to life. This thing we call rationalization. Rationalization happens When you look at any area of your life, remember I'm asking you, what areas do you need to tighten up? When you look at any area of your life and you make yourself the exception. I call it dealing with your big butt. Now let me explain before you get offended. Here's, it's like this. I want to fix that area, Pastor Cal, but are you with me? I want to work on my marriage a little. I I know there's some, but I know you've been saying and everyone's, I need to be in a life group. I need to join. I need relationship. I need community. Come on. But I I need to tighten up some financial areas. I mean, I'm way over debt. I got more going out than coming in and the month isn't long enough. And I want to fix that. I need to get into financial peace. I know that I, I know I should serve at church. You've been asking that we serve, and you've been asking that we get involved and, and that we look at others before we look at ourselves. I know I should serve on a team at the church. I, it's that big butt disease. And friends, listen, we all have it in some area. We all have it in some area. And God's desire for you as we go forward, God's desire is that you finish strong. But in order for you to finish strong, you've got to go to a new level. You've got to punch this thing up one or twice. Are you with me? God's desire for our church overall is to take us as a body to a new level. That's what we're doing. We're punching this thing up once or twice, but we need you to come along there with us to finish strong, to take it up. Go for it. A whole new level of wholeness, living under his authority. But listen, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some sweat equity. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Work out your salvation. Don't just sit there and listen and leave. Don't just sit there and write notes and think that's going to do something. No, work out Looking at a treadmill does not give you the ability to get in shape. Watching someone else on a treadmill doesn't give you the ability to get in shape. Are you with me, church? Just punch your neighbor right now and say, he's talking about you. Not me, he's talking about you. Listen, folks, you've got to get into this. Let me ask you a question. How do you know you can or can't do something if you never challenge How do I know I can't do this if I never challenged this? How do I know I can't give a little more if I never put that to the challenge? See, God says something pretty powerful. It's the only area, our finances, the only area he says to you and me, challenge me, test me, and watch me do something in your life that you can't even contain. You'll never know what you're fully capable of if you can't get beyond what you're comfortable with. Can I say that again? 
You'll never know what you're fully capable of if you never get beyond what you're comfortable with. Challenge. Work it out. Listen, when I went into the military at 18 years old, I was in pretty good shape. And they selected me to be a rescue swimmer. I was a pretty good swimmer. And, uh, but I, there was one thing I couldn't do. Even as an 18-year-old, pretty good athlete in shape, I couldn't do a pull-up, man. I'm not talking about chin-up. I could not do a pull-up. Are you, are you with me? It's like, man, I'm like shaking. Now, for me to get into this and to qualify even to go to the next level of training, you with me? I had to do 10 of them at one time. 10. And it's not this cheat stuff where you don't, where you bend your arms and all the way, locking the arms and coming back up. And I'm telling you to do one, man, I'm like, oh. And, and I had like, like 14 days to do 10 in a row. And a trainer came over and asked me, hey, I, or, I challenged me, I, if you let me work with you for two weeks, I can get you to 10. I looked at him and said, you are crazy. Has <laughs> someone ever said something that you can do that you didn't think, and you looked at them and said, you were crazy, or you thought it anyway? I actually said it. I couldn't do it. It was just crazy for me to think about doing 10 pull-ups in a row. Well, to make a long story short, after he embarrassed me a couple times in the gym, it's one thing when a grown man has you at the ankles holding you up in a gym. doing. It's tough. As an 18-year-old, my pride just went out the window. Because I could do anything else. I could swim a few miles, man. I could do, I could run. But pull-ups were just like impossible. But by the end of the 14 days, not only could I do 10 locked arms, folks, I did 20. Today, at 56 years old, I can still do about six or seven without going away. And I don't say that. Hey, look, no. I don't say, I'm about to sucker punch you here, okay? I don't say that for you to look at me. Listen, here's why I'm saying this. And I want to get this question just right because this is the question. This is, it was, this is not about capacity. I didn't have the capacity to do 10. Are you with me? But it wasn't because I didn't have the capacity. This guy looked at me, pastor, and said, you can do it. He knew I had the capacity. Are you with me here? It's because I didn't have the conditioning. And we, those of us who follow Christ, will sometimes say, I can't do that. And you think it's because you don't have the capacity, like lead a small group, serve in the church. Give a little extra money because that's what God's shown. You think, I don't have the capacity. No, you have the capacity. What you haven't been given is the conditioning because you've stopped the momentum somewhere. Are you with me, church? You've stopped. So here's the big question as we close. The big question as we close and as the worship team comes back up. What have you convinced yourself you can't do that really you just won't do? That's a challenging question. See, we live in a culture that has made things easy, comfortable. Most people that have these at home, they're like clothes racks, dryers. Lake, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you got to go by and dust them every now and then. <laughs> they're on eBay and all kinds of stuff. We, 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 we're in a culture that has the passion for the immediate. We don't want to work out anything. 
We want it right now. That's why diet pills in are like billion dollar sales. If I could take a pill to get it, I'm in that. Are you with me, church? And that's how we rationalize. We, we want the cliff note version. God says you've got to work this out. I want you to finish strong, and that's how you finish strong, by working it out. You've got to work it out. You've got to work it out. And sometimes it's resistance, but the resistance is cutting stuff in you, and it's giving you strength, and it's giving you the ability to keep going. We rationalize because we lower the standard. We say we want change, but we don't want the challenge. <laughs> this is the challenge. We're giving you the challenge, giving you the ability to get on there. Let's go. Let's increase it. Let's make it happen. But that's when we become comfortable with where we are. And I need to say to you tonight, no challenge, no change. It's just the way it is. No challenge. And that's why as a, as a team, as a church, as a leadership, we're going to challenge you, folks. Because that's where change comes from. We want to challenge you from the word and let God speak inside of you. Because no challenge, no change. Listen, when we lower the standard of who God desires us to be, what we're doing is we're just arrogantly arguing with God and we're making ourselves the exception to his kingdom order of tightening things up in our life. You have to put it in motion. You have to change your mindset. What is it that you think you can't do that really you just won't do? Change your mindset. Let me close with this scripture. It's on your notes, but it's on the screen as well. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous, and it requires total attention mindset. One version says, narrow is the way to life. It's a mindset. Are you with me tonight, church? You're ready for this? We can do this. We can finish strong. Let me pray for you tonight. Father God, we really do love you. And this weekend of thankfulness We're so thankful for the opportunity that you have given us as individuals and as a church to finish strong, to be in a life of wholeness, to go forward, not to stop. And so I pray tonight, Lord, if there's any person in this room that is in in any area of life that stopped, that you would would give them that, that supernatural push right now on the inside Hey, let's go. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Let's go. I'm with you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. This is not your destination. Lord, speak to us tonight. Gently, but yet boldly. Let us keep going. Let us make a determination in our hearts, in our minds, as a church, that we're not going to stop. We're going to have that mindset that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. That's our mindset tonight because you've called us to that. You've called us to victory. You've already called us more than conquerors if we're following you. And I pray tonight, Lord, if there's anyone in this room tonight that has not made that decision to follow you, 
and things have just come to rest and they've stopped and life just doesn't seem to make sense, that tonight would be the night that they would simply say, Lord, I want to follow you. And, and, and that's all you have to do is just simply say, Lord, I want to follow you. I don't want to follow myself. I don't want to follow the world. I want to follow you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.